it's Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest podcast, the podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And uh, it's good to be back again for this next now going on our third year of doing podcasts about the hemp industry. I am flat out pleased and tickled to death to have our national membership coordinator and fellow compadre coach max owl on the line with us for us to talk about things coming up in 2023 coach good morning good morning nick uh i'm excited about where we are in 2023 seems like that would never get here that was kind of a uh a losing number out there when we first started we used to be a couple of years trying to get this thing off the ground and uh we're going to talk about a few numbers this morning of where we are and a few projects along the way and certainly hope our our current membership uh, can enjoy what we have to say that's awesome thanks a bunch for that y'all know uh, uh for those of you who have not had the opportunity to to visit with max um uh give 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 folks a a quick background on on uh, not only what your role is and what you're doing with the co-op but also uh, uh part of just what what your background is okay how long do we have well, we, this is not a five-hour podcast, Coach, so we got to, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Dick, Dick found me in a, in a Mexican restaurant in Pontotoc, Mississippi, one day at lunch. Uh, we sat down and had a good visit. And, uh, he had some. He was working with some other guys at that particular time with the concept of a, of a national co-op. And we shared some stories back and forth, about, particularly about my career. I came out of an athletic background, coached college and high school football for almost 30 years. And uh, he saw that uh, was starting out affiliated with some outstanding programs around the country. And uh, I think he saw an opportunity here to maybe use a skill set that I had developed along the way, recruiting football players and recruiting farmers into the co-op. And uh, glad to say it's worked out. It's a little rough to start with and, and in a new industry for people that has never jumped off uh, in the deep water before. You ought to try it. Uh, it's uh, quite it's, it's encouraging in some days. In some days, you scratch your head at night and said, you know, uh, is this thing ever going to get off the ground? But it has. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough. I've uh, had some outstanding players that really helped my career along. Uh, I was I'm one of two or three guys in the country that coached a national high school championship in football, a national division two, and a national division one. Uh, not to say that I made any contribution to that, but I was a staff. Uh, to just name a couple of players, most of the listeners that follow the sport at all, I've had three guys in the NFL playing, David Smith, Deion Sanders, Butler, had Leroy and, and uh, Deion on the same football team at Florida State. So uh, had a really had a, a great career. They jumped off into the radio business in Atlanta, Georgia, for about 11 years and was leading the, the first sports talk guy uh, in that market. So have a lot to, to be proud of to be where I got to, but – don't know, and I think I'll dig this on a regular basis. This industry right now is is exciting to me. When I get up in the morning, is standing in front of a hundred thousand people calling the plays, defense or offensive side uh, for the football national championship. I get that that much surge out of it. So uh, I think I can take all of those. And so far, you know, we'll go through some numbers shortly about where we are with our membership. But uh, it's a it's a challenge to me every day. Because you never know when the phone rings who you're going to get or when you dial out what you're going to get on the other end. But all I can say from where we started uh, a little over two years ago and where we are today, uh, we're pretty pleased with it.
Absolutely. We'll talk about a, a little bit about the um, uh, about the the maybe the um, description of the different growers that we talk to um, because it is varied, right? We've got folks who have never sure. put a seed in the ground, and we've got folks who have been in family farming operations for you know generations. No doubt, Dick, and I, and I think that's probably the most challenging part uh, is trying to get uh, all of that wrapped up into, into one type of package uh, per se. We certainly do not want to discourage the first-year farmers, uh, but they get kind of intimidated when we start talking uh, seed genetics and, and how to prepare the soil and all. So these people have never had anything to do like that. But we, we try to take them all under one umbrella, but I can't do it by myself. Uh, the first thing that, that either Dick has relayed that information to me, or uh, they've joined uh, or have shown interest to join the co-op uh, through a, a webinar or a speaking engagement uh, that Dick had been attached to. Uh, and, and of course, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Andre Coleman, uh, who is a, a agronomist with us right now and on the faculty at Alcorn State. And of course, our chief agronomist, uh, Dr. Dave Cornette, who uh, usually picks up after I finish, he's the next person, or then Andre will be the next person that these beginning farmers talk to, and many times the existing farmers. Uh, you know, we may have a five generation farmer out there that's farming a thousand acres, and, you know, he'll tell you in a heartbeat, well, I know, you know, give me some seed, I know how to plant hemp. The, we've already seen that the, the growing hemp is a different animal. Uh, you know, it's a weed by description, uh, but the fact is, is it, it same uh, the same genetics will grow in every temperate zone. So depending on where we are and what we're doing and what we have going on in that particular area, where that farmer's property is, basically is what we have to deal with. Uh, that's where the, the agronomists come in as far as recommended uh, uh, seeds, as far as their genetics grow time, and then, of course, at the end result, what the product that comes out you know, will be where we have decided to place a plant there based on uh, our outtake agreements after that's over, uh, the product that comes out of the meal. So that's the general picture that we that we deal with on a daily basis. And uh, again, some days I'll have eight or ten calls, some days just one or two, some days it'll be a, a multi-call, sometimes I'll go to a group where there's five or six farmers in that group per se and speak to them as a group. Uh, we don't get everybody we talk to. So many times they feel almost intimidated because they, even though they farm, they really don't know anything about this industry. But neither did we. We started back a couple of three years ago. Right. So uh, it's it's been a great ride along the way, but uh, we treat every, every person generally, we give them the same information, but they have to be treated a little bit different because of their background, their experience, and mainly their expectation. Uh, and I think that's where we've overcome a lot in, on the fiber side where we specialize in as opposed to the seed, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the oil side and or the, the marijuana side. And that's the first thing I, I lay out when I talk to them. And we're, we're interested right now in the fiber industry. And that's where we go going. And whatever you know about the other sides, just sit that aside and listen to us and let us talk to you about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what that's that builds very well into really kind of our whole 
model for the co-op in the first place is that each of those right. growers, which is why we call this the growers cooperative and not the farmers cooperative, the people who have been in production agriculture uh, uh, and are full-time in it and um, maybe multi-generational and thousands of acres that they grow various crops uh, on, or maybe they're, they've got cattle or maybe they've got timber or maybe other things they've got too. They have the same say-so and the same vote in the co-op as a person who has um, got one acre and, you know, never planted anything before. Uh, and so right. and that's what I think is the beauty of the co-op. It certainly fits into our ESG models that are important. Uh, obviously, hemp on the environmental side because it does such a good job of sequestering carbon and, and other things that we know about. Um, and then, you know, on the social and the governance piece, this is a bottom-up organization. This is this is where where while we have built a model that is different than some other local cooperatives may be because it's of its national footprint, it it really lends itself well to those who would not have an opportunity to participate, quite frankly, uh, or trying to figure things out on their own. I mean, it's America; they can go figure it out on their own if they want to. But why do they want to? Uh, why why not come along and be a part of what somebody else is doing to help them get along the way? And that's one of the things that we've figured out is as well is that while we've got projects in our funnel that we certainly want to talk about, um, we know that the 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 landowner who has a smaller amount of acreage or might be new to the farming business, they're never really going to be able to give us the amount of biomass that we need, the amount of grain we would need or the amount of, of fiber that we would need or stalks or, you know, that we, we actually need to have. So um, uh, we've got to get the larger growers uh, uh, who will want to participate. And so um, I call it a healthy tension. You think that's a good way to call it that, Max? Just yeah, between I think working so. with both those groups on the agronomy piece. So um and I think that's a great segue for us to talk about some of the projects that we've got uh, uh, in our pipeline. Now, when we say that we have projects in our pipeline, what we're talking about are folks who we have a, a going forward relationship, either under a memorandum of understanding or some type of an agreement that we're going to actually produce some end use for the hemp. It could be grain uh, and seed that we are using in the proteins piece. And we certainly have that in our funnel right now as well, uh, solidly involved in, in moving forward in the grain, uh, the grains piece. Or it could be with the stalks themselves, as we all call the fiber, right? And so uh, we've got projects that we are doing um, energy pellets for. We have a what we might call a traditional regular well i don't know if anything's really traditional much other than unless you go way back uh, into into the hemp industry but uh, in a decortication and processing facility uh, that will be um, uh, somewhere in the general great lakes region that is actually decorticating and and using the fiber for um, um uh, I mean, a bunch of different uses, right? Everything from bioplastics to polymers to to um, uh, 
chemicals, uh, you know, uh, natural-based chemicals uh, reactions that they're using in industry to a, a bunch of different uh, uh, opportunities. Uh, then we also have got a textiles project that we're um, very, very much into the middle of. Uh, all of these things that we're going to be ready to announce sooner than later, uh, whenever the time is right for us to do it. We are very hesitant to make big announcements about what we're going to do in any one particular place because I think the industry has got way more than enough announcements and press releases as compared to, yes, we, we're ready. When we say we're ready, that means our financing is in line. That means our offtake agreements are in line. That means that we've got growers who are ready to go. So our process for vetting these, and I haven't talked yet about renewable natural gas, but I'll bring that up in, in just a second. But uh, when we have a project that we are ready to move on, uh, we think it's important to put some things to paper that that uh, really move us from uh, chatting about it to really getting ready to invest in that project. And we, we start off with the idea of who is going to buy this, whatever it is that we're going to make with the hemp. What is this this value-added, commercialized piece of the hemp, right? So that's one of our three big questions. We ask everybody uh, that is interested in participating and being a part of the co-op, uh, whether they are a grower who would be a licensed hemp grower who would actually be growing the hemp, or whether there's somebody who would just say, hey, I'd like to be, I'd like to invest in this because I really like what you guys are doing. Either one of those, uh, particularly for our, our growers, we ask the questions of how does hemp growing hemp fit into what you're doing now? Uh, the second question is, is what will grow where you are? As you touched on, Coach, the varieties and the genetics that are part of that. And the third big question is, who's going to buy the crop whenever you plant it? And, and finding out that answer to that third question, the way we get out of the chicken and the egg is with a letter of intent, an LOI not a contract at first, but an LOI. And we believe the LOI is much um, is, is the best vehicle for us at this stage of the game, because now I've got something that we can go directly back to um, a, a farmer or a grower or that you can put, Max, into your um, uh, call list, right, into the, uh, your conversations that you would be having with, with, with growers and farmers who are saying, right. well, how do I have any idea whether you, you know, this is even going to be a real project? Well, we've got something to show them that at the very least, we know where we're headed. It's different than a contract. We'd love it to be a contract right now uh, on all these pieces, but we can't get a contract or don't want to, we don't want to sign up or obligate ourselves to a contract if we don't know that we have the number of acres to back up to fulfill that contract. So in order to get us out of the chicken and the egg, that's what these LOIs are important for us. And, and the LOIs that we have based off these projects that I just mentioned, we're also moving very quickly on um, uh, looking at getting into the biochar um, uh, world. And that may be something we do even sooner than later. Uh, and then some more that I'll talk about for renewable natural gas. So Max, is that, I mean, that's the end, right? Let me interrupt. Yeah, for me, no, go ahead. This is the this is the difference of we are as opposed to what happened in the oil business. I was in the CBD oil business to start with. 
I got in on the tail end, and it didn't take long to, for us to be open. That these people that had invested money, dollars, millions of dollars throughout the country, brought in farmers and promised them the uh, concept was we'll build it, you guys finance it, and they will come. Well, they built it, and they glutted the market with it. And that's why the oil business, in our opinion, is uh, kind of on the downside now. We took that lesson, and I, I'm, I'm the one that's on the street and on the road every day. Uh, I was able to grasp that really quick and, and help, I think, re, hopefully break back uh, an attitude that these farmers had lost because we lost a lot of people in the, in the hemp industry uh, because of the, 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 the way the oil positioned themselves about the sales without a without an outtake agreement. Nowhere to sell the product. Or if they did, they had to take a reduced price and, it, and they lost their shirts. I can go down the you know, down the road and just name the people. And we've got members now that have come over, but it was a sales job. Well how do how do we know that what y'all are telling us we've heard the same thing before. But then as Nick was just explaining with an L O I, uh, there's no you know there's no guesswork in it. Here's here's what the people say you build it, we'll buy it. Uh, that's the guarantee, and that's what I can take to the farmers, and that's worked very well for us. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, I mean, that's that's where we're trying to be very real about it, right? We're not trying to go out and, and raise a bunch of hype or think some press releases are the things that are going to get us all moving forward when, when um, we're certainly about having press releases and certainly want to be able to share that good news, but not until it's time to do that. And that's really kind of, if we were talking about a year in review, that's what 2022 was for us. I think we went to every right. doggone meeting we could go to, right? And, <laughs> and spent Two or more time. gathered together. We, <laughs> we were there. Exactly. Two or more we were there. And we spent a whole lot of time talking to a whole lot of folks and, and that's how we were able to prime the pump uh, for us to be able to have these projects that are in play for us now. Um, and now we're enjoying that opportunity, focusing in on that and really spending our time making sure that these projects are given the attention that they need uh, to come on up, up out of the ground, right? And then how does that get overlaid? With carbon credits, how does that get overlaid with the different finance mechanisms? Certainly, that's part of my background as well as understanding how we pull this together. We got a great team with with um, our uh, CFO Larry Tyler, uh, who is a a uh, as he likes to call himself a retired reformed uh, 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 commercial lender uh, who looks at all of our projects in a way that that the way that. Um, uh, that a banker would look at it, how we getting paid back, what's the margin, how we know what the cash flow is going to be, how do we get in the right management team, do we know what the offtake agreements are. These kind of business decisions are all the things that we put these projects through before we would call them ready. So when I start to talk about energy pellets, or we talk about a decortication facility, or we're talking about renewable natural gas, or we're talking about biochar, or we're talking about textiles, these are the things that we're talking about that we have actually vetted and gone through. I bet we've got probably, what, Max, another eight or nine that are just different folks who we're having conversation and dialogue with, but right. the projects aren't Absolutely. ready. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not anywhere on our end that we believe that they're really ready to move forward. So we take that very seriously um, uh, on something that's important. So... Uh, the other thing that we've been able to accomplish this past year that will help us 
moving forward in 2023 is making sure that we've got the right partners, uh, the right, the right um, other groups that are, are, are melding into what we're doing uh, to make sure that we can be successful for our growers. Because at the end of the day, our whole world is about building wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development. And, and we used to have <coughs> a, a, an ag commissioner here in, in Mississippi named Jim Buck Ross. And Jim Buck used to say, uh, if you ever see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, you know he didn't get up there by himself. You know, so it's the uh, Max and I would be very quick to tell you that we couldn't get up on our fence post uh, by ourselves either uh, without having a great nope. team. And and uh, we're really glad with the the council and the work that um, Russell Laird uh, gives us as as um, uh, part of our our as our. Uh, Vice President for um, Strategic uh, Development. You've already mentioned Dr. Dave and Andrea on our uh, uh, agronomy team. Uh, we've talked about Larry as our uh, our CFO, and then uh, Diane Cullo is is taking the absolute bull by the horns on our PR and marketing and um, uh, strategic thinking a good bit as well too for all things we're doing to to keep people informed about what we're doing with the co-op. So I think we got a great team internally. Uh, and then we also have got some really good partners as well uh, that have joined up with us. In addition to our kind of our day-to-day -day, uh, attorney group, we also um, have entered into agreements uh, with the Clifton Larson Allen CPA firm out of um, headquartered out of Michigan. They have a lot of experience in cooperatives. <clears throat> they have a lot of experience in understanding each one of these business units that we are creating under the co-op, as well as the um, patronage shares and the dividend shares that go back to investors. That is a, for a non-accounting person like me, that would be a nightmare for me to try to figure out. Right. Um, and so not only do they have the experience in that, they understand the model, they understand what we're doing and it, you know, they don't, they don't sweat on it whatsoever. We're really glad to know that we've got um, uh, Michael Droke leading the team uh, as our co-op attorney. Uh, Michael uh, actually wrote the book, literally wrote the book on cooperative business law. Uh, he's uh, with the Dorsey uh, Whitney Law Firm, headquartered out of their uh, uh, Seattle office. And so to know our structure and the things we put together are things that, that that this was not something that Max and Nick just came up with one Thursday while we were eating Mexican food in Pontotoc, <laughs> Mississippi, right? I mean, this is this is something that's had a lot of, a lot of work done to it on that. Uh, uh, we're glad. Yeah. Let me just yeah. Let me just interrupt for those people not familiar with the name of that law firm. I, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, I came in out of back uh, come with my background. I athletics. I had to keep stats all the time. Uh, I could grow in that group. Uh, have over 500 attorneys and 19 officers worldwide. If anybody wants to know about their validity, so I, I have to throw those numbers in, Dick. That that gets a lot of people's attention real quick. Yeah. This is not somebody that's just going back and kind of reading up in some law journals to try to kind of figure out right. what you're doing. So that's, you know, I, uh, uh, any projects that I've been in, I've always thought, 
if you've got good legal counsel and you've got a good um, CPA to keep you from flying too yep. close to the sun and keep you straight, you're going to be okay uh, nine times out of ten. So that's um, we're, we're glad that we're glad to have them be a part of that. And then externally as well, we've got other partnerships. We just um, uh, recently signed up a, a, an agreement to work with Hemp Processing Partners. Um, uh, HPP, as they are known, uh, Drew Pritchard and Shane Pritchard um, and, and others on their team who are going to serve and are serving as our third party uh, uh, verifier and counselor for us as we put in various pieces of equipment and as we buy different processes and systems, all of which need to be matched to what the output is going to be, right? What are we producing? And to know that we've got them and their smarts at the team with us going forward, there are a lot of really good people that we like in the industry uh, uh, that are involved in um, equipment and the technology that's there. And we really like having them as a, as third party counsel. And so we're excited about that part. Another part internally to our growers specifically is uh, the offering for insurance. Uh, and and not only insurance for their own farm or family or 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 business insurance, uh, uh, property and casualty kind of typical insurance that you might have for that, but crop insurance as it relates to the to the hemp industry. And Brian Richardson, um, who is has been around in the in the hemp industry for quite some period of time, uh, also uh, in the camp uh, in the cannabis industry. Uh, Brian knows uh, a whole great deal about um, uh, what you can do, what you can't do. Foundations Insurance and Financial Services is their uh, firm. They're headquartered uh, in the greater Denver, Colorado area. So we are glad to be in a partnership with them. We'll be having some uh, more education about that coming up. So we know that that's an important piece uh, to, to have in the uh, at the table, uh, as well as, you know, others that we're able to work with. We've got our seed distribution uh, rolling uh, well enough this year. We learned a lot last year. Some of what we learned last year was what not to do, uh, as well as what needed to be done. So sometimes that's the education curve. So Brian Boyer with uh, Oakish Mound Farms and uh, right outside of uh, uh Shreveport, Louisiana, down in Cushata, uh, Louisiana, is not only a co-op member, but also is on our advisory board. And then uh, in addition to that, um, uh, is is coordinating all our seed distribution for our members. So uh, we, we that's a, a key piece to the part. And then um, uh, uh, certainly not last but least uh, is our engineering team headed up by Eberhard Luca at uh, Luca Consulting Technology Services. And he's got a crackerjack team from around the world of super smart folks that really understand what it means uh, to help build our projects out for making renewable natural gas. And um, the opportunity and the ability to be able to tap into RNG is is uh, renewable natural gas RNG is is a really really big opportunity for our members and our growers and of course based off of our model because you don't have to be producing the hemp that will go into a processing facility just next to you you're going to be able to participate in the revenue from each one of these facilities 
We've got three LOIs in our hand right now uh, to produce RNG. Uh, a couple of those are, are uh, about doing it in several different places throughout the country. Um, so Everhart and his team, uh, we we would not be where we are today and what we're doing on RNG if it were not for uh, LCTS. And, and we um, uh, are very grateful for them to be a part of it. But they understand as well, and the core of their understanding is not just the technology and what the biodigester might look like and, you know, what different system might we use to process that. But it's a real solid understanding of the feedstocks. What are the type of biomass, as we would call it, right, that you would put into this biodigester in order to create and make um, biogas and methane that gets converted into renewable natural gas? You build a system based off of what type of feedstock you're putting into that system. And because hemp will do such great things uh, as far as producing the amount of methane, um, we're big time excited about, about uh, being involved even more with hemp being a part of a what we call a co-digested feedstock, meaning it's not just hemp, but there's other feedstocks that we would be putting in waste material that we would be putting into the biodigester in order to make uh, the renewable natural gas. Now we would never put grain and seed in there, so that's we got to be sure to make sure folks understand that because that's certainly not a waste. Um, uh, and we certainly know there are other uses for the stalks, many of which we are using in our other projects, right? But as it relates to um, uh, to this um, um, biodigestion piece, um, where th this is something that we spend an enormous amount of time on. We have been in process to create and develop a, a full white paper on why it is that we are focused on help for energy. Now, we did a, an executive summary that we released at the end of um, September, uh, and, and um it is a, a paper that right now, as of right now today, is 26 pages long, okay? So, um, and not all of those are are charts and graphs, okay? Even though there are charts and graphs in, in part of it to, uh, to, to show the paper. Uh, what's been really both interesting and slightly frustrating for somebody like me who <laughs> likes to try to get things moving is, is that, uh, there is so much information out there that we want to make sure that we get correct. Uh, going back and having to translate, I mean, the, the, the team has looked through 80 different research papers uh, published from across the world, right? And uh, some of those are uh, hectares uh, is how they grew uh, the, 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 uh, the crop uh, that can be used for energy. How do we convert that to uh, acres? Some of them are measured in the amount of energy through megajoules. And I had to go look that up, okay, about what one was. And so now converting that back into things that we would call therms or to BTUs is a piece. How, how dense was the hectare or the acre that was planted? You know, we all know that from the, those that are involved in the industrial hemp industry. If you're growing for uh, CBD oil, you don't plant the acreage in the same way that you would plant of what you're doing for industrial, 
right? So how much biomass, how much plant matter was there actually per acre in these studies that were done? So going back and rereading and going back and doing the math again and to make sure that we've got all these pieces right and blending uh, stuff that that things that, that Eberhard would know about, such as, you know, uh, uh, the chemistry, uh, uh, the math, uh, the energy balance, the technology and the science part of what happens in the, in, in the creation of the gas and blending with that as well, Dr. Dave's. Uh, knowledge of agronomy and understanding about plant matter and about everything from cellulosic material and how all that fits. When you take those two huge disciplines and merge them together into one document, you're not going to get it done as quickly as you <laughs> might if you're somebody like Nick saying, how quick can we get this done? So uh, Dr. Dave has done an, a, a tremendous job. Eberhard and his team have done a tremendous job. We're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, really, and getting in our, our latest drafts of getting it all laid out. And we're very hopeful that within the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to release that, uh, uh, that full white paper. Dr. Dave has has uh, said to me on more than one occasion, do you want it now or do you want it right? And and we've decided that um, right is better than now. And so we don't want to hurry up something that uh, particularly something new uh, that can be as important as this can be for the industry. So throwing carbon credits in on top of all of that, you know, um, where can we be do, doing dual crop where we could be growing for seed and grain and then also have it be a part of the RNG process? And of course, the natural gas is just like any other natural gas in the sense, except it's not um, petroleum based. It's not coming up out of the ground. Um, it's not being fracked. Uh, this is a renewable natural gas and it's coming from waste streams. So to, whether that gas actually then goes and puts back into some other system um, and is then maybe um, uh, used just the way that you might have natural gas in your home to, to uh, you know, heat your hot water heater up or whether it's the gas is getting uh, used in the production of uh, renewable electricity or whether the gas is now is being converted yet again into a process and being compressed natural gas that you might have in your bus system in your city or whether it's uh, uh, gets converted into jet fuel or whether it's going to be biodiesel just the 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 uh, possibilities are endless for that so and part of the reason we're able to do that well and then we'll kind of wind down here a little bit is because uh, we've got some just absolutely fantastic people that are on our advisory board for the co-op. Uh, they are uh, uh, such uh, good counselors to us um, as we uh, uh, move towards uh, absolute full co-op development and, and the way that we um, are, are moving towards getting all of that lined out. And, and one of our uh, advisory members uh, is uh, Johannes uh, Escudero, who is the uh, CEO and founder of the um, Renewable Natural Gas Coalition. Um, um, Johannes is really doing a whole lot to connect us up very well on um, uh, in that industry, which is we're, we're, we're incredibly grateful for. I mentioned Brian Bowyer already, who is one of our advisory board members in Louisiana. Uh, we also are, are 
um, more than pleased to have uh, Joy Beckerman be a part of our advisory board. Joy is, she was country before country was cool as it relates to the uh, hemp industry. She has been uh, advocating, preaching, telling, uh, uh, is, is a strong advocate. She understands very well what the co-op model is and what that can mean for not only advancing the industry, but also what it can do to help individual growers. Uh, Marlon Anderson is one of our uh, uh, board members who uh, took a, a tour of duty in, as a major league uh, baseball player and is very much involved in, in growing a, as a co-op member uh, as well. Uh, Dr. Mary Callen, who is in Colorado, is uh, uh, has her PhD in plant physiology uh, and has worked worldwide with international organizations, not only in understanding agriculture and, and the, the basis of that, but also in, in uh, doing uh, business development uh, and running nonprofits. So she just brings terrific counsel for us on that. Jeanette Lachewski is uh, with the British Standards Institute, certainly has a uh, international uh, footprint of, of understanding sustainability and how industrial hemp can fit into part of that. Uh, Sharika Smith is one of our co-op members and um, uh, it's great to have uh, Sharika's input because she is one of those people who is not a um, uh, thousands of acre multi-generation farmer to help remember, hey, you know, let's make sure we are keeping this perspective at the table uh, whenever we're talking about the projects that we're working on. And then Freddie Rowell, who um, is one of those people who is a multi-generational farmer. He also is a banker, as Freddie likes to say. He he is uh, 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 in the banking industry because he's got to support his farming habit. And so he's got to be able to <laughs> keep that. But it's good to have somebody who understands production agriculture at, at, at a different level and a different scale. So with our, our really strong advisory board, we've got some more advisory board members that we're expecting to bring on uh, in this year. Uh, our team that we've talked about internally, uh, the project or deal flow, as they would call about it in the finance uh, industry world, where we're actually bringing, uh, we've got deals and projects that are, are, are vetted. Uh, they're not all done. Uh, they're not all ready to start in the morning, but they are all in um, uh, our funnel. And uh, getting our agronomy pieces uh, geared up, to make sure that the things along genetics and seed and, and best practices and harvesting and, and all that to, to the table. Uh, it's been a full 2022 and we have primed the pump to be ready for 2023. And, and Dick, uh, yeah, let, let me, Dick, I'll, I'll give you a chance to catch your breath a minute. Just to yeah. let the <laughs> Go ahead. out there. Yeah. Let the, the, let the listeners know how the vetting process actually occurs in, in, in its far reaching arms. Uh, as, as late as last night, uh, Thursday night, the 16th of, of February, I get a call on my private cell phone number. Now, where that number got out, I don't know, from a guy in California uh, who's, who's been in the marijuana business for 20 years, sold his whole operation, and now is wanting to come to the energy side. Uh, just to, let, to give you the comparison, he knows he wants to get in, and let me tell you what he has that most people don't. He has $100 billion to spend, uh, and they already have on the board with their group in California five plants, but they, they're they using landfill uh, 
of biomass now to try to feed their digestive system to create this, but interested in the hemp industry. When we get folks like that calling us to help vet their program, I know we're on the move. And, uh, there we go. That just, that, just came, that just came to us out of nowhere. Uh, we'll follow up. We, we, we agree to get back in touch with each other in the next 30 days or so. And, and, uh, he's just made the decision to go that way. And they, they want to use us and our background to help them develop their processing systems out there. That's right. So vetting calls like that that we have that come in is a large part of what we do, too, because not everybody's, you know, got it all together as much as they think. So um, but I mean, so many do and so many projects like this we do have. So uh, we believe we're very well poised to move forward. We're going to continue to um, get more and more growers in. We, we expanded our footprint a great deal. Um, we're in. Uh, uh, particularly um, east of the Mississippi, all the way up in the Northeast, uh, places like Michigan as well. We've got folks that are coming in. We've got projects that are coming online for the Pacific Northwest that we expect to announce uh, in this first quarter of this year, which means we better get to doing it here directly because the quarter is <laughs> about to be up. But uh, we hope to have that all announced as well. Maybe even two projects in that part of the world that would help us to um, uh, expand our footprint. So um, uh, we're pleased. Um, uh, things don't always move as quickly as we'd like, but but we it's not because we're not putting shoulder to the wheel every day. And sometimes we feel like it's pushing a noodle, uh, but but it's um, uh, it's working and it's working right. And so well. Uh, I can say this with all confidence, Max and I are so appreciative and grateful for those that have, have uh, participated with us. They see our vision of what we're doing, uh, and and uh, we're grateful for that. So if folks are interested, and now we're back, now the podcast is back in, in, in swing. Um, unlike last year, and because we have so many things that we are working on, projects for our members right now, our podcast is only going to... Uh, come out every other week instead of every week. Uh, we've just got, I would encourage you, if you want to learn more about the industry, go to the place that you download or listen to your podcast. Look on our website where we've got all our past guests, and you can learn so much about what the industry is doing because we've got really had some top-notch folks uh, uh, as guests to, to learn more about what's going on. If you want to know more about the National uh, Hemp Growers Cooperative, I would encourage you to tap our website at nationalhempcoop.us. Um, you can learn uh, more about what we're doing. We're going to be uh, re rehabbing the whole website, as a matter of fact, trying to make it a little bit more user-friendly uh, that Diane and I are working on that. Uh, and, but but you'll still have an opportunity to go see and find all the, all the um, podcasts that are there, uh, the previous ones that we've done. If you'd like to learn more about the co-op itself, you can you can sign up for our newsletter to learn more about that. But our email address is on there and phone number as well that will go directly to Max. Uh, if you are a, a grower uh, that is looking at wanting to uh, to grow this coming year uh, and would be interested in being a part of the co-op, then you know, Max is your is is the point of the spear on that, and I uh, would be glad to be able to to holler at you about that. And then uh, also, to, if you are someone who might just be interested in what we are doing as far 
as, uh, hey, look, I'm not a farmer, but I'd like to be involved in that. Uh, we're, we'll be rolling out um, uh, maybe the end of this quarter, certainly in the second quarter of this year, a, a smaller um, uh, uh, investor opportunity as a regulation crowdfunding investment uh, for, to be involved in a lot of these projects realm. So you, you'll be able to learn more about that So uh, in, in the coming days. Of course, we're on all the social media pieces and you can you can follow us there as well. Coach, anything else before we dial out? Yeah, I think uh, we could stay on this thing another hour or two. I mean, we could go into the, the, the I, it's just people can't realize uh, really how far we've come, Dick. And it, it, we won't go into names and all, but even though the professional people that have jumped on board with us to help us get this far through our bidding process, uh, our, our local members, we've got some volunteers that help me every day. Uh, that keep up, basically keep up with the computer work, uh, the listing of new uh, new prospects, how to get the paperwork out to them, how to track them back on paper, the, the, every aspect of, of of doing a day by day business. Uh, it's uh, it's quite, you know, not only just virtually interesting for me to get up every day and, and look at my list of things to do, but uh, to deal with the people that, that have joined the organization. I can't thank them enough. Absolutely, thanks so much. All right, until next time, thanks for joining us. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.